Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love in culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Hey, what's poppin', everybody? This episode, we are going to be jumping into the 1992 classic animated comedy film, Baby's Kids. Baby's Kids. They was going in. When that music came out, I was like, that's me. That's me. I love it. I'm the Baby's Kid. I am. I, I feel a- like Baby's Kids turned into like in, in a, <laughs> a description of a specific type of child. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Test two baby. That's exactly what it turned into. <laughs> that is one of the quotes that I definitely wanted to talk about because I was walking around at two, three years old talking about test two baby. Didn't have any idea what it meant. <laughs> no. And then when I got made fun of in school, when someone called me a test two baby, it was real. Like it, it, it was like almost on the level of someone talking about your mama. Don't call me no test two baby. It's disrespectful. Really? It really is. But I, when I was saying it, I didn't know what it meant. Honestly, I just came to the realization of what it really meant As when an it adult. came on Netflix. Yeah. Yes. When it went on Netflix, I was like, wait, test two big. How did my parents let me say this out loud? Yes. Yes, it was like, funny. <laughs> right. And but then there's really there's really test two babies out there. I'm so sorry. There really it's so disrespectful. That movie cannot come out now. It would never. The DSM be podcast um, is taking the stance <laughs> that we support all test tube babies, and then by no way or no means do we discriminate against test tube babies. But before we go any further, we want to <laughs> acknowledge that you do hear a special guest, a third voice, joining us this week, and we are super excited. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, that's so appropriate because our special guest is so LA. Um, I've known this person, we've known this person for quite a while now. This is a very close, very dear friend of mine and now colleague, Miss soon to be Dr. Jamie Johnson. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Insert Jamie applause. Johnson. Hey, hey, hey. So, can you please introduce yourself to the people and let them know exactly who you are? Yes, I am Jamie Johnson. I am a licensed professional clinical counselor and a licensed clinical mental health counselor. So I am licensed in the state of California and in the state of North Carolina. I am a national certified counselor and I am a certified clinical mental health counselor. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. (laughs) It was a lot, right? It was a mouthful. You better put all them alphabets back there. Yeah. All of them is still adding. So doctoral candidate for now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So hopefully by the time this come on your podcast, she definitely will be Dr. Jamie Johnson. (laughs) Turn up. Turn up. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Baby is key. Let's uh yes, keep it going with these quotes. So we have, of course, like you guys mentioned, test two baby. One of mine is where you going? It ain't time to leave yet. (laughs) (laughs) If we had on more watches than BG. (laughs) I think mine is uh, I am am pissed off to the highest level of pissivity. (laughs) That was a rating scale that I had not yet heard of (laughs) before this movie. Right. Like what pissivicity? What level is that exactly, sir? Like what? What is that? How do we gauge that? Exactly where is that? <laughs> Bruh, my favorite. She was like, your mama's so dumb. <laughs> she thought a quarterback was a refund. Bruh, I thought that was so funny. Evan was like, <laughs> that that bin was out. You you just now heard that. I was like, wow. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> like, or in the beginning, when uh, he first met Jamaica, when he was like, excuse me, miss, I didn't catch your name. And she said, I didn't throw it. <laughs> that was hilarious. I've said that before. I didn't throw it. I was like, dang. The shade. <laughs> right. They got do these randoms. Like, bro, we had a funeral. Chill out. Exactly. So when I was watching that part, again, watching this, watching these movies as an adult and then from the lens of a counselor, I was like, hold on. First of all, this is so inappropriate for men to be trying to holler at a woman. 
at a funeral, but let me remember that this is a black funeral, okay? Because anything can, anything's, anything is possible at a black funeral. That's especially funeral. if there's Henny. And it will happen. <laughs> and it will happen. <laughs> and my bitchy was fine though. She was fine. And all the guys at the at the table playing cards and talking shit. That was the best scene ever. It like so I many didn't. Jokes. So many jokes. I did not pay attention to it as a kid. I was so concerned about the actual like kids involved in it more so than the the adults. But again, I think with movies like this, especially um, like, you know, when you watch Disney or whatever, whatever Paramount, whatever type of cartoon that they come out with, I realize now that they make it so that the adults enjoy, enjoy the show too, the movie too, as yeah. well as the kids. So now as an adult, I'm watching these movies again and I'm picking up on all these jokes and I'm like, yo, this shit is hilarious this whole time. I did not know. (laughs) It's very interesting when you look at it, like your perspective as a kid and the way that your thoughts were then. And then you look at it as an adult and I'm just like, this was not a kid movie. This was not a child movie. At all. At all. (laughs) At all. Not even a little bit. (laughs) And so, wait, Courtney, I feel like you're the nerd of all of us to know like, the 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 magic behind this this creator coming up and saying you know I'm gonna take this comedian and turn him into a actual uh, animation. Did you find anything on that and and what inspired this? First of all, uh, don't at me like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely her though. That is her. That's her feng shui. That's her feng shui. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. To, uh, yes, and y'all know I have. <laughs> <laughs> and to elaborate more fully, um, I think we touched on this a little bit in the Proud Family episode with the director of this film, Bruce yes. Smith, and the different things that he did. And Rosie, you had to research that time. Um, but him creating that and it, they're just being, Robin <clears throat> Harris being the great comedic legend that he was and is to this day having the Bay Bay's kids just in his stand-up. It started as just part of like one of his bits that was in his stand-up and they developed that. But unfortunately he had passed away two years before they were able to really start um, actively working on a film. So actually Faison Love is the person that does the voice of Robin and they include the actual clips of Robin Harris in the beginning of the film to pay homage to him. So that's really dope. And I just think I love this movie because now I feel like I love I loved it then because it's, it's hilarious, but I love it now because I think it is such a testament to black comedy and especially like black L.A. comedy because it's a very specific vein. And but everybody in this film, they looked out for each other because there is like comedy legends and like John Witherspoon is one of the voices. George Wallace is <laughs> one of the voices. Like there's so many hilarious, Myra J, like there's just so many hilarious, iconic LA comics that are part of this movie. And I think it was a great way for them to pay homage and um, add to the legacy that is Robert Harris. So special shout out to the creators of this film and including all of the special people that they decided to put in because it did come out as a classic. Even though I don't know what people was thinking at the time and it was very uh, harshly received by critics, but it wasn't for y'all. It was for us. It wasn't. You're right. <laughs> You're right. It was. It was definitely for the people, by the people, literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they wouldn't have understood it. They wouldn't have understood the beauty of the movie. No, exactly. If they, what the films if it were that to come out Dolomite again. are for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate because it feels like it needs to be revamped, and not even revamped, but no. needs to be like reintroduced which is why I'm happiest on Netflix but it needs to be like highlighted like this shit is funny rewatch this shit cause it is that's, it's a good- that's what we doing here today <laughs> that's what we do cheers today. to us watch it <laughs> cheers watch it please in your adult life because it's a, actually a lot funnier and then also a little sadder in my opinion watching it again watching it again I was like I didn't think about it that way but yeah mm-hmm. I just <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the baby's kids. I think at this point, everybody has had their experience. At this age, I've had my experience with baby's kids. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, on many levels, like even I think I think many times, especially growing up like a military brat, <laughs> as you guys have witnessed, I'm sure at some point or another, like this was one of the black movies that I could really get dig into and understood. Like, <laughs> in depth 
I feel like I was I was Khalil like growing up. I was the one <laughs> that was kind of like a little scared, a little standoffish. Like, no, I can't. Were do you that. bullied? That's no, Leon. That's Leon. Yes. Oh, Leon, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, Leon. Sorry. Yes, Leon. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I, I was I was kind of like the the little Leon that I was like, no, don't hit me. Like, no, you can't say that. You can't do that. Don't Shut up, girl, I'm going to tell on you. Like, you know, <laughs> I wasn't the one that was going to ask too many questions. I was trying kind of not to be seen, you know, <laughs> or noticed at that age anyway. So looking back at it, I was like, dang, like, I remember being like, you know, I had some cousins that was a little more buck than me. Um, so being around them in a space. <laughs> don't we like, all? <laughs> right. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to be caught up in that. Like, no, I'm scared. Yeah, it might seem a little fun. But when I get back home, I know I'm going to get beat. Like, my parents are there. Like, I know what's going to happen to me. I'm going Wait, home to whoop you when I want to. When I want to. When I want to. Hey, Robin, you making my... <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so I think yes. that's the difference between now and, like, kids growing up. Because kids growing up now... Like, you'd be like, yo, if I was your age, I could never say that. <laughs> right. Like, we can have a feeling. Like, no, nobody care about your feelings. Go okay. to your room. <laughs> I'll pop you in your mouth And we so can quick. laugh about it now because, like, it, it's over. <laughs> but right. I think right? us being that generation, it's not, it, to me, it feels like we're the generation now that wants to change that. And we encourage our kids to be inquisitive and ask questions yes. and be like, oh, yeah. you're so smart. I just don't want to give you none because I said no. <laughs> So right it's shifty we're figuring it out how to you know stop uh traumatizing our children no but if you the, think about the parenting, this movie, yeah. though, if you think mm-hmm. about this movie though i feel like baby's kids were the kids that everybody talked about at that time like they just said mm-hmm. what they want did what they want so it's like uh, you there's a line though <laughs> like yes i want you to express yourself but mm-hmm. there are also limits to your expression <laughs> And that's why I appreciate Robin's character in this film because he wasn't just like, shut up. Like, yeah, he would crack jokes with them, but he still allowed them to beat him. Like, he would be like, hey, look, now if you get into it, one of them pick something up and knock the hell out of him. Like, he was still, <laughs> he told yeah. the line of being old school and new school where like, you're going to have mm-hmm. to learn these certain things and you're not about to disrespect me crazy, but here, here go $10. Y'all go get yourself a pizza or something. Like, still trying mm-hmm. to look out on both sides. So I just, I appreciate this film. I love it. And, um, have, I definitely was an in-between. I could be a baby's kid when with my cousins, and then I could be a Leon when I was by myself because <laughs> I, you know, lived in both worlds. But um, I just thought it was hilarious how even the kids that weren't baby's kids, like they had the white kids even saying, we baby's kids, we don't... <laughs> We they did. It was contagious. We multiply. <laughs> we don't die, we multiply. <laughs> If you've ever watched some bad kids, like that is just a horrible, like <laughs> terrible nightmare. Like these little three bad ones, and now they're just growing and spreading like wildfire. <laughs> they destroyed the whole amusement park. They oh, did. Amusement park. Totally they down. burned it down. It was left. If nothing left by the time nothing. they finished, they literally then, tore that shit down. And then blacked out Las Vegas. <laughs> right. I was too through when they pulled up to Las Vegas. <laughs> took them there. I would not have took them there. Why did they take I them I would have. I would have. So I could well, be what like, the, why, would, why do you take kids? Now. Why do you take kids to Las Vegas? What is there for little kids to do? Pee-wee to is be like, What is Pee-wee going to do in Las Vegas? <laughs> to be like, them kids tore it down. I told they can't go nowhere. That's why. I took them to Las Vegas. They, they tore it down. I took them to the thing port. They tore it down. Can't take them nowhere. That's it. <laughs> you know That's what? the point. I, I was... I feel like when it came to Robin Harris and his whole character, I was conflicted for many reasons. How? <sighs> so I love the fact that he was a father figure. Wonderful, mm-hmm. great. I just met this man in a funeral, though, the day before. Why does he have Big so facts. much say-so in my child's face? Why is he sleeping on this man? I don't know. You know, the first night he fell asleep on this man. She didn't know he didn't know. How do you become so comfortable with somebody after meeting them at a funeral a couple hours before? Why are you taking your child on your first date with this man? And somebody okay. else's kid. And some somebody else's child. Like, this is, this okay. is TV. I was so worried about Jamika. Jamika made some questionable decisions. Very questionable decisions. <laughs> all throughout. I was so confused. 
all throughout what was her other questionable decision other than to be with him <laughs> i mean i just feel like all throughout even her his ex-husband calling me out in the bath our ex-wife calling me out in mm-hmm. the bathroom it's like he didn't have too many red flags we go to a funeral he asked me to take him home but his first question was <laughs> you shouldn't be walking by yourself no i have a car well then can you take me home no sir <laughs> no <laughs> And I felt that comfortable enough smooth. driving you home, and I didn't even want to give you my name at first. But I can exactly. put you in my car and drive with you. And then he like, you don't know if I got warrants. You don't know if I got, why you sitting right next to me? Exactly, you don't know. But he's telling you that you don't know. And you want right. to slam all the brakes and be confused. No, <laughs> there's no confusion. You don't know this man. He's telling you to make better decisions with your life, ma'am. Exactly. Listen. But see, the, the sad part is, is that in this movie, there are women just like her, and there are men just like him, just like there are kids, just like baby's kids. And so there are women who have a child and who have been in a bad relationship, and there's a guy that gives them some attention, and he seem okay, you know? And then you let your guard down, and then next thing you know, you at a theme park with your kid and some other kids. And that's how the story goes. Just because it happened, don't make it right. I don't think, Ooh. I don't know. And that's why, that's, why, that's why the divorce rate is as high as it is. And he's already going through a divorce. Ooh, for real? In real life time? Even <laughs> all the way divorced yet. I'm In real life time? Talking about, I wear my wedding ring on the right, and the wrong, on the right hand, because I married the wrong woman. <laughs> Ooh. I didn't even pick up on that. I'm like, is this in real time? This happened in real time? Well, time? But did either of you guys diagnose Robin with anything? Actually, I didn't. I me didn't neither. either. Only thing I can see is she just has, for me, Jamaica invited three other kids to go. We're not going to Fun World. She didn't give me enough money to support her kid. When I Bruh. agreed to go to Fun World, it was <laughs> your child and you. So I go to pick her up the next day. She got three more kids with her. Uh, what's this? What's this? These are children. Oh, wait, you said you have a kid. These are Bebe's kids. He was at the front, (laughs) pulling out all his exchange. The dimes. The dimes, the nickels. He was like, is that two? Is that how much it is yet? Jamaica, give me that 20. (laughs) (laughs) She said, she said they gave me $20. Okay, and I had to think back. I was like, $20 is $2 today. Back then, twenty dollars might have been to get into know, the park. It was thirty-five a child, and you invited three it. more kids. I'm sorry, we're not going to Fun World. We are gonna we're going go to Chuck E. Cheese. To Chuck E. Cheese. We're mm-hmm. gonna go to a park. We're gonna bring our food. We're gonna make some sandwiches, and y'all can run around and do whatever y'all want. But we are not going to Fun World. I'm sorry. She's about. I'm excited. Let's go. The one pet peeve I have about watching other people's kids is don't bring me no child with no stinky diaper. Change your baby. Bring your baby with a clean diaper. I'm prepared to change their diaper when they're with me. And so that's another thing. I was like, how did Pee Wee's diaper smell the entire time? They were I with him. I one person they changed. I, not one time did I see his diaper change. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, diaper rash galore. Like, what it in the be- hell? He didn't have no clothes on. <laughs> he didn't. He really didn't. And so I'm just like, so you just couldn't even just, like, slip that off and put another one on real quick? Can we potty train him? He three years old, y'all said? He was about three in, the, in his little rap. So that was, didn't he say he was about to be three? He did. He did. So Still with that being said, First of all, that's another problem. There was just another lots, there problem. Was, just gross levels of, of neglect when it came to Pee Wee that I'm a little bit concerned about. And I would have been Absolutely. concerned about somebody coming to take the kids away from Bebe. That would have been my number one. Like, girl, if you don't get it together, they're going to take these kids from you. Hello. Right. Right. Honestly. No food in the refrigerator. Nothing. Got something in there to eat. What was there? One can of something in the refrigerator? And that was probably <laughs> a box of baking soda. The, the, and that's what right. the social workers check for. Did your babies ain't clean, the peewee stinking, and ain't no mm-hmm. ain't no food in the house. They did. So for when you mentioned like, okay, did we die? I did not diagnose the parents. I mean the parents for no parents. Um, I did not <laughs> diagnose the the adults, but I I gave Z codes and V codes for the kids. Girl, what's a Z code? Can you please inform me on what? 
The Z code. There's Z codes, girl. Yeah, now in the DSM. Why she like, acting brand new? They're like new? identifiers. They're like specifiers. To yeah. No, yeah, that's so you have to elaborate. Everybody don't know what a ZV. Oh, okay. I learned. I get feedback. You know what I mean? People talk. <laughs> <laughs> we got to so, explain the stuff. So Z codes and V codes are basically like codes that are used that are like identifiers for specific problems. So like there is problems related to housing, problems related to uh, relationships. So a lot Great of the grief and loss and so sometimes the thing about it is that even with um even with being in mental health like especially for billing insurance they want to see you know a diagnosis well in some cases you may not be able to give a diagnosis especially within that first like first initial interaction so you are you're able to use your z and v codes to kind of describe and give some type of diagnostics to the situation. So for this case, it would be more of like the home and the relationship, but not so much like, cause then in my mind, what like as soon as I was watching the movie, I'm not gonna lie, as I sat down and watched and I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, okay, um, oppositional defiant disorder. That's where I went e- immediately. Like just, and I felt bad for that. I did, because I was like, I'm just prejudging this situation. And I had to think, I had to step but back I think and that's say- our training too. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me step back and like watch the movie. And then that's when I really had that other side of me that was like, oh, this is sad because they were, it wasn't that they were neglected intentionally. It's just that Bebe was trying to provide for her kids the best way that she knew how. Mm -hmm. And so she put them in the care of other people. And even though she put them in the care of other people, there was still levels of neglect. There was still extreme poverty. There were still so many other Z codes and B codes before I could even get to oppositional defiant disorder. So, I mean, if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like, absolutely, you have to. I feel like before we could even go into like putting a diagnosis there, I think we need to make sure some of those needs are being met because it's not clear exactly what's happening. If I don't have food on my stomach, I can present it a lot of different ways. If you're in pain. You know, right. it's, it's difficult to pay attention to even what's being said to you. Are you even interpreting mm-hmm. what I'm saying in this moment? Um, so I, I agree with you. Like if they're not getting those basic needs met, it's kind of difficult to sit in front of somebody and dictate everything that's happening. Absolutely. And so it's like, OK, so are you acting out? And, and children, the thing is, is like I think of kids, they can tell you what they need and what they want to a certain degree. And so like how you were saying, Jamie, like if I said something, I had to prepare myself to be popped in the mouth if it was off the wall. So if a kid said something like, well, I'm hungry and that person that they're in the care of hits them because they're telling them they're hungry, then that kid isn't going to tell you or tell someone else that they're hungry anymore. They're Mm going to act out instead. So it's like, how are these kids acting out their needs you know, to some degree, because I can't remember the young boy's name, Khalil. Wasn't, didn't he, wasn't he klepto? Didn't he steal something from the, <laughs> no, they was just breaking shit in the fucking gift shop. They didn't well, steal they, anything. They kind of profiled him before he even got into the park. That's what exactly. it was. Exactly. That's what it was. Yeah. So, oh, we got to talk about that because yeah, that bothered me too. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, that's, that kind of made me feel some type of way especially because Black Lives Matter and, and, you know, what's happening right now um, with so many Black men just being, Black men and women being profiled, you know, for little things, the Karen, the Karen movement, right? And so for him just to be pulled, we're watching you and how they was watching him and what they were doing to him and antagonizing him. I'm like, this is what they do to Black kids. This is why Black kids are 10 times likely to be suspended and expelled from schools. But also, they're running with the police. I don't feel like that was the first time they had been watched like that. You guys remember when they pulled up to the amusement park and they came to an abrupt stop and the the police officer came out? And he was like, where did he come from? Where did he come from? I have no idea where he came from. But (laughs) the kids, you know, if if y'all go back to that scene, Leon was like up against a seat like this. And the other kids were like, uh, singing the time. Ah. 
whatever. Yeah. So like it wasn't their first time. It's like that understanding that they can't trust the police from the beginning where Leon is just like, I know I got to sit back and shut up. So it was really interesting to see the difference between the way Leon responded to the police, even the way that Robin Harris, he was like, oh, you're going to treat me like a king today? <laughs> And he automatically, he automatically assumed the position too. When he answered the first question and he could tell that it wasn't, this was about to be a whole interaction, he automatically assumed the position, hands up, put him on the car, like everything. And it, it's just, it commented on, to me, it, it's like, it's the same understanding of the interaction with the police that we have. It's just three different representations of it. Like yeah. if you're an adult and you have to, oh, I already know the procedure. I know how this is going to go. Let's just get this over with. Leon, who still has that fear a little bit and is straightening up so that, you know, he doesn't have to interact at all. And then the kids who've had this interaction and are just like, get the hell out my face. And then Jamika was just like, don't even try. Don't even try it. <laughs> Oh, because he was like, ooh, she looked kind of good, don't she? He was like, uh-uh, I am not playing with it. Get <laughs> Proceed. Get so corny ass the fuck on. Exactly. <laughs> Nico was like, absolutely not. Exactly. And so um, I don't think, I didn't want to, because I felt like, Jamika was kind of a voice of reason when people were trying to judge Bebe and the different things that she was doing. And Robin made several um, comments about he, she probably get somewhere getting her boot smoked like you could be doing, but we here doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it sounded like Bebe was probably at work. Like they, she's trying to make ends meet. Bebe got a lot going on. She got three kids. She might, might be out here trying to make some money, make things shake. And so I did, which led me to further question like, you have, you're trying to make ends meet. You have three kids. You are relying on different people to help you out and assist in taking care of them. Like Rosie, Dr. Rosie said, in the best way that you know how. And wondering with Pee Wee being as young as he is, um, him kind of having the, the least amount of affect and like responsivity to everything that was going on around. Wondering if maybe Bebe had at some point suffered from postpartum depression or something to where she wasn't able to form those type of emotional attachments with the kids. And so that piece of it was lacking, but she still knew she still had to do certain things to take care of them. So she was just doing what she could and didn't have that emotional connection with them in that way. But I feel like I'm, I'm going I'm to take, <laughs> take it a step further because I do believe that's true. But also I feel like a lot of us when we grow up, we lack certain, we can't give what we don't have. So regardless of even if it wasn't postpartum or whatever, we can only give what we have. And if she's used to living like that, that's normal. <laughs> like, I, this is just what it is. I got to have somebody else watch my kids right now. I got to make ends meet. That's just what it is. But I feel like the other piece of it is just, just generational trauma, just whatever. I think those issues started long before those kids were probably born. <laughs> probably when she was a child, some things that she didn't learn, uh, which is also part of what my dissertation is on. Um, <laughs> okay, plug. <laughs> <laughs> Just Shameless plug. Right? <laughs> I just feel like it, issues start, you know, as, as we're growing up and as we develop and as we see, as we see the world, as we understand the world. And when we have kids, unless there's an intervention, so what we know, we're going to just continue to repeat the same pattern over and over again. So even if it wasn't postpartum and there was no intervention, it could be just trauma. <laughs> like we just I never agree. knew any different. And even mm -hmm. if she didn't experience the trauma herself, she's just going on learned behavior from maybe her parent. So they say like, exactly. you can, mm -hmm. if you didn't experience a, a traumatic event, then you don't have PTSD. Yes, I agree with that. But you, there's still learned behaviors. You might not have experienced mm -hmm. the event, but that doesn't mean you don't act like you did. Exactly. Yeah. And even for some of like the, I guess the diagnostic routes that I went with some of the um, kids there, the caregiver characteristics that are often shown to be risk factors include things like depression, poverty, a history of, of abuse or neglect in the own parent, in the parent's own childhood and lack of social support. And so if Jamika is really the only person that she can really count on to watch her kids, she doesn't have support. Mm -hmm. Having one kid by yourself is is a task in itself. Having three without a, a stable like network or a village around you, I can't. I ooh, 
Whew, can't imagine. My kids would be but bad. But also, too, <laughs> like, we have to also ask the question. The hard question is, it was hard the first time. It was hard the second time. It's hard the third time, too, you know? Like, what intervention was going to be put in play <laughs> for you to stop? And Having kids taken away. Yeah. That's the intervention. Usually, you get what I'm saying? Like, and then for some reason, I don't know. That don't always. Nah, because then they would just be like, I can make another. They'll one. just have more. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the kids have to deal with you kept them and not us. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Oh, it's just this horrible, vicious cycle. Right. And then one thing that Jamika said that stuck out to me too is, um, everybody is blaming Bebe, but ain't she didn't make them by Ooh, herself. Yes, that's true. And so I'm wondering Bridge. if this always even was the struggle. If it was because. <laughs> Rich. Because she said, don't run, Robin. That's why they shot their daddy. So I'm wondering <laughs> if they dead, like this wasn't a struggle before. Oh no, did dad they kill left. their daddy? They killed their daddy? They shot dad. And so now this is where she, this is where they are because dad left. But also I'm going to take it a step further too. True enough, there's some males in this picture, but this is also the male that you picked. These are the people that you chose to have kids with. They were in a, a rough neighborhood. This could have been transition. This could have been, they weren't struggling when dad was there. Dad left and everything kind of, Bebe had to take everything on by herself. This is what she could afford. This is what she, you know, for the meantime, in between time and that transition, the kids got mad because they life, they quality of life changed. And so they shot them. And this is where they, you know, they, <laughs> they we starting from here. We just seeing a snapshot of what's going on. But no, really, like, so I, think, I think when you initially watch this, we assume Bebe is horrible just because of the way her kids are. But could that be true? I mean, like, we really think about it. Does Bebe have to be horrible for her three kids to act that way? Or is she just not present? Well, you know, I always had this theory that kids act out with their mothers and they tend to act a little decent when they're with other people. That's my theory. I think that kids, when they're around their their mothers, they be, they be acting like they don't know what to do, especially when they're in front of other people. But when they're by themselves, they, they act like decent people. So in my mind, I'm like, no, Bebe hasn't had time to do the nurturing and the the teaching of what it means to be a decent citizen. You know, you know I've seen I've seen this uh, comment on Facebook earlier that was talking about the um, the Rona babies, like the babies that are all being born during COVID and how they're so advanced now and they're doing things so early. And part of the reason they feel like kids are doing stuff so early and they're so advanced is because they've actually had the physical touch and the contact with their mothers and their parents because they've actually been at home. So I I wonder, <laughs> because of her absence, this is why they develop more street knowledge, you know, than more maybe an emotional intelligence and... You know, that is the avenue that I uh, concur with. That's where I think uh, Bebe was really just trying to make ends meet and make things shake however she could. But that absence led them to have to pick it up and get it how they could. And unfortunately, they got it from the street. And this is what it this is what it is now. And how does that translate? That's the question. Like, because Bebe's kids are all over, like to this day right now. There's Bebe's kids out there. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> How does that translate? Like, how do they, how do you become a, a person in society with those skills and that way of thinking? Like, how where's the intervention come, and how do you well, develop? I think that's the thing about oppositional defiant disorder. It's like this. Yeah, we can give them that diagnosis, but there's a likelihood that children with those disorders can actually live and have a thriving life despite having hardships in their childhood. Now, the intervention comes in, you know, later in like their teenage, adolescence to early adulthood, where they start to learn and implement certain skills and characteristics. I say that because like for me, growing up in foster care, we were panhandling (laughs) on the street. We were literally Bebe's kids in this one foster home. She had like seven of us in a home. And we would go and we would panhandle. It was almost like we were like baby's kids in the sense that there was nothing in the refrigerator, you know? And so we was eating chips and the hugs, juice, 
and we would share quarter it around water. with each other, quarter water, and <laughs> share that around with each other. And that was our survival. But at the same time, I feel like some of those survival skills taught me and prepared me to be the person I am today. So mm-hmm. while these kids may be in this impoverished, you know, environment, it also is a way for them to become, you know, the people that they want to become because they saw what they what they didn't want to be. They don't want to be like their mom. They don't want to be like whomever was watching them and taking care of them. They want it better for themselves. So I think sometimes coming up in adverse environments actually makes a person become better. I agree with that. But also I feel like there still has to be an intervention. Like there still has to be something that happens to make you want to be different or want to see something different. Because a lot of times we usually pick what we're used to. And even if we do have another avenue or we know something different, we automatically go to what's natural and and what's normal to us. So there still has to be that extra leap of, like, I know Lord knows for me, chaos was a norm for me. And I was, regardless of where my mindset knew I should be, somewhere along the line, I wasn't observing that this is a normal tendency that I'm used to, but it's not the best one. It's not the best choice for my path and where I need to go. So I had to learn to really, really be specific and be aware of this is your norm, but this norm was not healthy or safe for you. This path, it might not feel right. (laughs) It might not feel normal. It might feel a little awkward, but you need to be going this direction because that is the healthy way for you. So I I still think there has to be, I do agree, it gives you skills that are going to promote you further and even maybe put you in better positions than other people. But I still think you need that extra uh, to like get past that place. That's where the village comes in. And I think thankfully for, for the type of person that I am, I was able to seek that type of village. You know, it wasn't always presented to me. I went out and I was like, yo, who's going to be my mama? Who's going to be my daddy? Who, 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 you? Okay, thanks. You know, and so that's how I was able to get myself in a better, when you say intervention, I'm thinking, who were the people that intervened for me? And it Mm -hmm. was the teachers. It was the, you know, the people like in my, in my academic realm that made me become this academic person. Preach. Right? (laughs) That was a safety zone. It was my safety net. It was my safety place. And so I, when I, when you were saying that, when you said that people are going to go to what is normal, what's um, familiar to them, out of the three, I think Khalil would be the one that's going to be the street one. Mm-hmm. And then um, I can't remember the little girl's name. LaShawn. LaShawn. LaShawn, because of Leon, her relationship with Leon, I feel like LaShawn is probably going to realize that there is better for her based off of that friendship, even relationship, if you will, we'll see, mm-hmm. um, with him and God, realizing, I <laughs> but realizing, yeah, there's better for me. I deserve better. I, I can have better. Um, and then with Pee Wee, Pee Wee, he might go after Khalil and, and probably be up under him or something. But I just, I feel like out of the, the three of them, LaShawn will probably learn that she can do better and want better. And it seems like she's the oldest out of the three. Khalil is. I think Khalil is the oldest. Oh. I, I, for, for me, I felt like she was the oldest. Okay. That's because she was beating it's, everybody up. Uh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but from going with both of y'all, with both of y'all really a saying and feeling like that's kind of where I feel away is because... Um, Everybody say, oh, that intervention is going to come later. That is the, we can work with the children as they become teens. They can find their own village. But to me, that's the issue is that there isn't something that's happening earlier because at that age, these behaviors aren't the result of these children. There's nothing wrong with these children. It's the, the things that are wrong surrounding them. And so Either. that whatever, whatever happens, it needs to happen either with Bebe or we need to find um, a more stable, a more consistent environment for the kids. And so if that's them going to go stay with a grandma or an auntie or somebody that can help while baby get things together, whatever that is, then that can be the intervention. And, and that is actually where I would target any type of treatment that I would be offering in this situation is because it really needs to start with whoever, who's gonna, first, who's gonna be their consistent 
caregiver, whether that's we're working with specifically with Bebe and we're building skills with Bebe and we're trying to see, okay, well, with your work schedule, how can you get these things in? Can we find you a consistent um, daycare where they're going to be seeing the same people regularly and have consistent schedules and consistent expectations so they know how to go, what to do, and it's not something that's always changing for them. And so even with the diagnosis that I gave them, I kind of gave twofold. I gave what I feel like our current system would give them. And then I gave them the more taking things into consideration. Is it just a V-code? Is this actually a mood disorder? Is this um, RAD where they have their reactive attachment disorder because they haven't been getting that affection and the things that they have been needing from that time? And whatever, whatever, but each, for each treatment, that I would want to do and work with, it will all be parent-based. Whether it's um, didactic therapy, where you're working with the parent and the child, and we're building all skills together so that you know how to react and interact with your child, or it's just me and that parent working together. Because at this age, they're so young that this this isn't a them problem. Like they are not the issue. And I think that's what happens a lot of times with impulse um, impulsivity and disruptive uh, diagnosis is that people focus on the negative behaviors of the child and there's something wrong with the child instead of targeting everything else around the situation that could actually be changed much more easily and and actually see progression and people don't always feel patient enough because you then that child then has to unlearn those behaviors that they've been learning throughout their life and so whatever therapy treatment that I would be given it would be targeting those things first. And so for um, Khalil, I felt like he would probably get, yes, the oppositional defiant disorder. And in the in a world more general, normal system, that would be the diagnosis that would be given. But then I would want to look for more, is it like how y'all were saying before, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, making sure that he has all his needs met and then really assessing, is this an impulse control disorder? Is this ADHD? And really he just needs to have things broken down smaller to him. Like you, they gave him that whole entire building size list of rules. No, Brandon. No, he can't do all of that at one time. You tell no me that to do all of them things at once. I'm not going to remember all that. I'm a, matter of fact, I'm doing whatever I want to. I'm playing cowboys and Indians and jumping on top of the other thing. Because like, you gave me too much at one time. That's overwhelming. Forget all that you say and I'm going to do what I want to do. And so really screening on exactly like what it is and what's going on with him. But Khalil is my favorite. And I think that he has lots of leadership skills. <laughs> and to me, because I don't think, I think Khalil is the one that has the opportunity for the most success. I think Pee Wee would be the one who would be the street dude. I mean, he was selling watches. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That's why I was and, like, Pee Wee might, he's a might G. go to the street. He's he definitely climbed to the top of all them glasses. Like, he's a G. I don't know what baby gonna climb up all no them fear. glasses <laughs> in a glass door. <laughs> but no, I really like what you said, uh, Courtney. I, I totally agree with that. I think my intervention, similar to yours, would probably be like, I love satarian. I love experiential stuff. <laughs> I would really be really trying to get mom to understand what the impact is on her kids. Like when you make this decision, this is a result. Are you running the household or are your kids? Like what, who is in charge right now um, in this environment? So I, I, I definitely think I would take a family approach. I mean, honestly too, I don't know how much work I, I'm a fond believer of like, I don't believe it's possible to have child therapy. I feel like there is no way you can have child therapy without having bringing the parents in. They have to be involved and have some kind of buy-in because as soon as you get done with that child, this child still got to go home <laughs> and be in the same environment. Like there's no way you can just work with that child and everything become great. No, you de- you need a buy-in from the parents. And that that's the one thing that when people when parents do have somewhat of the buy in, they're like, okay, it's session number two. Why is my child not fixed yet? Why is my child still cursing Mm. me out? And you're the problem because you're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. Wait, (laughs) (laughs) why? Why is it on me? It's your job. I'm telling you, you have to go home and do this homework with them. You have to work with them. You have to be with them and talk with them. Maybe because you ain't hugged your son in six years. Maybe that's why. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm speaking for you. Did you show up to that project that he had in school? Did you show up to the talent show? Did you show up to the game? Did you come? Right. 
And so yet they put the pressure on the therapist to be like, fix my kid. Um, that's not how this works. It's a team effort. Maybe here. you should stop team. getting high around your kids. Maybe that'll team. help. Your kids coming to the coming to the schoolhouse smelling it like might. weed because you didn't smoke in the car and drugs. Never and knew cocaine. Never knew cocaine had a smell, but it does. It, it does. certainly it does. does. It does. Okay, and I know when oh, your children you are around drugs. Crack? Oh. It does, and I smell you it. You don't on your want child. to smell your child, <laughs> um, but you want me to fix them. You want you want me to make them so obedient. And yes, ma'am. No, no, I can't because you've traumatized them in your own way. So that means that you have to undo this trauma just like you expect me to undo it. We got to do it together. So I agree with you, Jamie. It's not just on me as a therapist just to do this therapy one on one with a child. This is going to take the parent, too. And maybe we're not going to sit all together in this session, but I might have to see that parent on the side. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And also, too, you can't be manipulative. You can't be like, you need to do better at school, blah, blah, blah. But then be hitting a crack pipe in front of him or smoking weed in front of him when it's illegal. Like, and then want to tell him to do right. Where is the model? Like, it's this whole do as I say, not as I do thing. That is bullshit. <laughs> and I just, I know it we is. are coming down very hard on parents this episode and none of us Sorry, are children, guys. So this is not we don't. to be judgmental. <laughs> but there is one thing that I have to say. You cannot beat better grades into your children. That's not how it works. No. Mm-mm. I just had to say that. I need to get that out there. That has absolutely nothing to do with baby <laughs> But even... <kids>. But... I, <laughs> I, I diagnosed Pee Wee with RAD, with reactive attachment disorder. <laughs> Would you like to hear the criteria I, for that? <laughs> I do because I, I I do feel like that's the that's one that would work for especially for Pee Wee because he is the youngest. But I, I like to your point though. I feel like you know a lot of times parents think that oh, okay beating your kid is gonna make them submissive and and act right. That also puts a strain on the relationship at times depending on how you're parenting and and you know disciplining your child. It children but are also, people. They're I little feel like- people. I think like in this way, are you teaching your child to be an adult? Or are you teaching them to be obedient? Because me, I grew up with parents that were very much so both disciplinarians. And all it, when, when I got older into being an adult, I had to unlearn how to be obedient and learn how to make intentional decisions for myself, not just go with something because somebody told me I should do it. That was a huge difference and a change in my career. If my parents mm-hmm. could have been more so like, okay, um, yes, I would like you to do these things. These I want to instill these morals and values in in you. Great, <laughs> but I also giving myself the say so to say no when I'm uncomfortable when I don't want to do something. That <laughs> made such a huge change when I got that voice for myself to say, I don't care what my boss says. If this is not my guided path, fuck this job. I'm gonna go somewhere else and do. What, where I feel like my purpose is and what I need to be doing. I don't need to be just listening to it because you're above me. That right there is why I think that all of the kids in this movie are going to be successful because we see different forms of that where mm-hmm. Leon is super obedient, but he is, he has no, well, he did have a little bit of problem, but he still did it anyway with standing up for himself. And even when they was trying to punk him, he would still say, no, this is not right. Or I don't want, no, that's not okay. And he was the one who was able to be um, Khalil's, I guess, uh, court, court appointed lawyer during his trial with Nixon and Abraham Lincoln. I don't know how <laughs> that <laughs> all came yeah. together to Nixon there was the symbolism that was symbolism <laughs> right there was it, like, was. Yeah. it was it was yeah um but he was able to do that. And I feel like all throughout um, Khalil, LaShawn and Pee Wee were all able to stand up for themselves as well and and voice what it is that they wanted, what they felt and what they needed. Um, and so that is why I feel like each of them, all of the kids in the movie will be successful. But oh, Jessica, right. they said each of you must ask yourself, are we petty, vengeful humans or logical, moral machines? Then pass judgment. Mm. President Lincoln. <laughs> I like that though, because I'm petty. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, so you were gonna give us um the criteria for rads for Pee-wee? Oh, Courtney? yes. Um a consistent pattern of inhibited, emotionally withdrawn behavior towards adult caregivers manifested by the child uh, rarely or minimally seeking comfort when distressed um, and re- not responding to comfort when they are distressed. 
minimal social and emotional responsiveness to others, limited positive affect. The only time I saw Pee Wee smile for real for real was when they got to Vegas. <laughs> and uh, unexplained episodes of irritability, um, which the child has experienced patterns of extreme ins- or insufficient care as evidenced by at least one of the following, which for him, I felt like with social neglect or deprivation in the form of persistent lack of having basic emotional needs or comfort, stimulation, and affection met by the caregiving adults. And so while his brother and sister were making sure that they were there for him, um, it doesn't matter who it is. Children are always going to want that mother or and or father figure in their life. And we have seen, I have seen personally cases where the parents were horrible, horrible, horrible to their children. And those kids still just wanted their mom and dad to love them. And so because he was not able to receive that because Bebe in my mind was at work trying to make a way, scratching and surviving. <laughs> he wasn't getting those emotional needs met. And so he just was not responsive to pretty much anybody and kind of came so kind of came a little bit self-sufficient. If only he could have changed his own diaper. I just needed somebody to change Pee-wee and it didn't happen throughout the entire movie. And it nope. just bothered me so, so much. And then he was con- still going and then it was he was even rapping about how much he enjoyed going where I was like, oh, is this an elimination? Do we need to look at this? Is this, he's not meeting this stage appropriately? I'm but concerned. But you know what? Incapricious <laughs> is only way of control. Maybe exactly. that's why it's still it's, not potty trained. Issues, uh, it is an issue of power and control. Mm-hmm. And what concerned me, though, is that he felt pleasure mm-hmm. in it and going on himself, which then can later become, you know, some issues. As long as he's not playing in it, though, I'm not I'm OK. Once the kids get to the point where they're playing in the poop, that's when there's real issue for concern. And you want to make sure that you reach out to somebody and get everything evaluated contact your local pediatrician make sure everything is on the up and up because i'm concerned about kids that go through mm. no mm-hmm. but you bring up a really good point i didn't even think about incapricious and injuries that's the reason why he might not be potty trained right now mm-hmm. Power and even still if he's not if there's no other way he's going to get a say so if mom is not meeting his needs or not ever there that baby was almost three. There's no so, reason for him to still be in the diaper. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And he know when he going. Like <laughs> that's what he, he be in the be middle like, of the <laughs> sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and babies just have that way. They be like quiet, or they they get this look. Like hold on, hold, hold, hold on. They right. sit still too long. Yeah. What you doing in the corner? Stop. But oh, okay. So with Lashawn. I gave her like, uh, you know, that dual kind of what we would normally see is I uh, diagnosed her with disruptive mood dysregulation disorder because I felt like she was often provoked. Like the boys were always pushing her and doing something to her. But then her reaction was not um, appropriate for like as big of her reaction (laughs) was not as appropriate for the little situations that they were putting them in. Like she was tearing them up over like little small stuff like that. I agree with that. And she would do it in silence, like very painful. Like when they said something about, what was it? When she kissed uh, Leon. Leon, uh And she very quietly went to go get the big ass hammer from the toy thing. Mm -hmm. And then politely just ran over. And everybody was was running. Yeah, she was ready. I was like, wow. She went from zero to 100. And it did seem like it was causing her a certain level of distress. I don't know if it was just a genderized thing with um, Jamika not really saying anything to the boys, but she did check LaShawn the one time. It was like, LaShawn, have you lost your mind? And she kind of, LaShawn even cowered, like, which was the only time that we saw the kids kind of like feel like, oh no, I'm being, you know, remorseful in that moment. Like, oh, I shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this or I feel bad I'm being chastised. But I don't know if that was because she's the girl and it's not okay for girls to behave in that manner. Ooh. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point because she that. definitely didn't really check the boys until they were actually Ever. fist fighting in the back seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when they were actually hitting each other in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, you're right. She that was the only person she really called out. I don't know. Maybe there was some discomfort around it because you remember when they got on that little swan thing on that little ride, and mm-hmm. she was like, "I think you need to put your son in some karate or something because he's a little soft." <laughs> Maybe she doesn't know how to respond to males and feels better responding to a female. Hence what? how she's taking care of a female's kids, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Point. 
<laughs> but even with that, again, more so would be working with Bebe. The only thing that I would want to try to assist LaShawn with was um, maybe some self-regulation skills on the meantime for her to, you know, regulate her emotions and kind of bring herself back down on her own. Some reflective practices because we do see her kind of like um, a tower a little bit when Jamika do say something to her. So we know that she cognitively can have that thought process to look back like, okay, this is what they did. Did I need to hit them with a hammer? <laughs> and kind of go back and see if the her reactions are consistent with um, or appropriate to the level of which they, they are provoking her. But most of her stuff was because they was bothering her and they should have left her the hell alone. And she wanted mm-hmm. some control. She wanted a little bit of control mm-hmm. of what's happening. Yeah. Right on the board, like when the movie first came on, one of the little boys right on the board, LaShawn likes boys. Yeah. From the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And she smacked mm-hmm. both of them in the face. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was almost this thing where like, if, if you, if she likes boys, it's a bad thing. And so even her relationship with Leon is like, oh, you like him. And so it, it made her act out instead of just being okay with the fact that she she liked him but instead she wanted to fight him because I, like it's like it goes against everything that i i don't want you to be and so i'm going to i'm going to fight you instead <laughs> which is a weird thing that we only do to girls like liking boys is a bad thing but and but we still want you to like boys and there's something weird if you don't like boys and the, but boys are okay to like girls like is that your little girlfriend but girls yeah. don't ever date boys and then when they're mean to boys then it's beat up the boys yeah that's a good thing haha ha, give them hell mm-hmm. but, but then she never really learns how to have agency over herself and her feelings and her emotions towards opposite sex which exactly. is unhealthy and then how is she going to know how to talk to boys? And like you were saying earlier, like with um, her prognosis and feeling like where she might grow and develop. I agree with you, but I'm also a little bit concerned because I don't mm-hmm. want her to feel like a relationship is her only way out. Because right. I can definitely see her feeling like yeah. being a mom and starting her own family young is her only way out of this situation mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. there her really her uh potential is endless and she there's so many avenues and if she does want to start a family and be a mom that's okay too but it's not the only mm-hmm. option that she has un- unless that's what she wants to do yeah that's true but i guess i don't know if, if we think about like the way the movie kind of rolls out i guess i'm trying to think back now to like the gender roles Mm-hmm. So it's like, as the female, the female is only supposed to be the caretaker. That's always the case, especially in the 90s. <laughs> oh, I mean, the 90s look at a trying time. In <laughs> the 90s, we're a trying time. So, I mean, so many stereotypes and I get it. Like it was supposed to play on a lot of stereotypes to be, you know, funny. But when you look at the movie and you really see it for what it is, it's like that that was the norm. Like. Bebe was a bad mother because she wasn't active in their lives. You know, she wasn't providing them with what we say mothers should provide their children, you know. And then even the even the roles of the the gender roles of each of the children. Oh, you're, you're not supposed to be fighting boys, but OK, here we are playing with them. It's OK to play, but you can't fight them. But boys fight. How do I work? And who's defending me? Who's, who's, who's there? defending her? Who right? So what else is she supposed to do? Yes, grab the hammer, girl. Knock <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the hell out of him. Okay. <laughs> At least scare the shit out of him. If like, we learn nothing hammer. else today, guys, I hope that we all, <laughs> as women, know. Get that hammer, girl. Knock <laughs> yes. the hell out of him. Get the, the pot of grits. Quote of the day. Get the hammer. Get the pot of grits, okay? <laughs> Let them know you ain't one to fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> Let her know you're just a little bit crazy. And you ain't no punk. <laughs> a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, it's so true. Like I, I didn't think about it that till to this extent until just now, just the way that that played out, which would make Robin Harris the perfect man because he he's okay with taking all of them out. He can deal with mm-hmm. some kids that are a little rough around the edges. See, mm-hmm. we all need a Robin. I'll tell you, Rob, Team Robin. Robin held it down for the role that he was. He was the perfect person to fit into that situation because Robin had also it been someone escape. else, they wouldn't have understood. You say he, he couldn't, escape. couldn't escape. No, no you remember he, he got shot the like they daddy. <laughs> no, do, do you remember they ran to the car and the kids met him at the car? 
Yeah. And that's when he said, you try to leave. <laughs> it ain't time to go yet. <laughs> and he valued his life. And so he said, oh, we going to phone work. Okay. <laughs> oh, and that that's the thing. Y'all no, thought Robin had Robin. a choice. Y'all thought he had a choice. He did not have a choice. The kids was going, they was going gang up on him to go. You're not, you taking us to some world. <laughs> That's the police, the police driving by them said, oh no, those are babies, kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> even the police know what it is. <laughs> so I'm not even going to pull this car over. <laughs> right. Oh gosh, y'all. Oh, okay, so the last person that I diagnosed, um, or wanted to discuss diagnosis with you was Dorothea with the orange perm and the lead press on Lord, toe dance. Dorothea, Dorothea <laughs> with the ashy ankles. Oh my gosh. When that press on flipped, flopped into that oh, her toe. <laughs> I said, no God. And I, that has always put a bad taste in my mouth with press-ons. But press-ons nowadays, they be fly. I'm not going to lie. They do. You know, they, they, they be real fly. They're more high quality. Than right? Bad. You know, you don't got that little stupid glue holding it down. You got some little crazy glue on there. You be all right. But anyway, um, yeah. I this movie I didn't ruined even... it for me. I still can't do press-ons. I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> so I didn't give her a diagnosis. So I'm interested to hear what you have for her. Other than her being stalker-ish. Like, why are you popping up in places in it? Okay, go ahead, Courtney. Some personality okay. stuff going on. Okay. Precisely. See, ma'am, you just read my whole entire mind. And so that is um, a plus and a minus for me because I feel like a lot of times uh, Ratchet gets personality diagnosis. When this, you you might just very well be Ratchet, but that gets labeled oftentimes as either like bipolar or borderline. And for her... <laughs> I went borderline. I was thinking borderline. Yeah, okay. on a yeah on a okay. regular, you know, this okay. it's just me. You are working with you. I might just diagnose you in my mind with you ratchet, and we got to work on some things. But in a more clinical setting, I'm sure that she would probably be diagnosed with borderline disorder because of her frantic efforts to avoid that imagined abandonment. Because they were at some point married, and even though they were separated, if they really you know he still wants you, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Girl. Mm-hmm. And she downed them dogs. She didn't even eat them. She just like she swallowed it. Oh, wait. I got a quote. I got the quote for this one. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> she said, no wonder we're not getting anywhere. Get some of this food off the boat. But I needed to live. <laughs> and I diagnosed Vivian with binge eating disorder. But we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> so D- Dorothea, along with the... um. Imagine abandonment. She also had a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation. So when she was trying to make uh, Jamika jealous, it was my man Raven came over last night. But then it was, uh, he he liked to beat women over the head and your mama so dumb she thought a quarterback was a refund. And like, Wait, and then she was like, in order for me to lie, I would have had to have cared was what she said. But you mm. do lie and you but do girl, care. You do care. You care so much. You care <laughs> so, so much. much. <laughs> you know he still wants you, right? I just, her yeah. little sidekick friend was killing me. No, your friend right. is so don't want you no more. And then she had um, instability due to uh, marked reactivity of mood. Her mood was, you know, all over the place. And then inappropriate, intense uh, difficulty controlling her anger. Like, girl, there was no need for you to be this mad because he's on a date. Mm-hmm. Not how did you him. even know? Like, how did you even find him there? You ain't got no kids. Right. Why are you a fun world? Because she needed her food to live. Maybe they had the best chili dogs. And so Vivian wanted to go. But I did diagnose Vivian with binge eating disorder. How was you affording to do all of that? But yes, I did diagnose uh, Vivian with binge eating disorder. (laughs) And she ate the entire time. No shame. I was concerned. Yes. Oh, but Dorothea, I would like to do a little um, DBT because we need some dialectical behavior therapy. Not just CBT because, girl, we need to get into these emotions. Because yeah. clearly you really care. And so we need to figure out why. <laughs> and then I guess we could do CBT with Vivian. Like, girl, what what is this emotional connection that you have with food? Why do you feel like you need to I like a lot of I like a lot of schema therapy. Like a mm-hmm. lot of like, mm-hmm. what is this tied to? What does this remind you of? Like, what is the mental picture in your mind? What is this, what does this mean to you? 
I like yes. to get into those, you know, those this recording that you're head. having playing in your head <laughs> over and over again. Like, what is it tied to? Like that, that's just my preferred mode of like just identifying things with people like. I don't want to identify for you. Tell me what you're seeing. What does this visual give you? I know my idea of a chair. What is your idea of a chair? What does a chair look like to you? What does it feel like? I just started singing Luther Vandross in my head. Y'all won't sing it to y'all though. But I have. (laughs) (laughs) Even when no no one sitting there. (laughs) Y'all better hit them notes. (laughs) I have one, uh, I guess, final question that I need to ask y'all. Why was the bartender that Robin was talking to at the bar, why was he blind? Bruh, and he poured. <laughs> My question is, why are so many, why are so many people talking to the blind man? That's a better question. Like, we see that you blind, even if you don't see that you blind. Why are we continue to engage and get drinks from you when you can't see? Which is honestly, I feel like that's a good, what is it like a, a metaphor? The blind lean the blind, like, why are we going to a to this blind person who can't see my space? And he didn't even right. want to it's talk what to they him. represent is what they represent. And then it helps that they're blind because then you can't really see me. So then I don't feel judged. Mm. <laughs> talk That's about that, it. Right? Just because he's blind don't mean he can't see. It means he might not have good vision. That don't mean he can't That's see at true. all. So with that being said, future Dr. Jamie Johnson, can you tell, please tell the people how they can get in contact with you, where they can find you, all your socials, all that good stuff. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at sense of self 90. You can also find me on psychology today, Jamie Johnson, LPCC. And you can find me on Facebook. I'm like, what else, where else can you find me on Facebook? Sense of self 90. On them streets. I'm just kidding. You can't find her in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> you might, but I don't know if she would want to be found there. Um, <laughs> if you would like to support the show, most importantly, you can go buy merch. But also, if you just want to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye.